this is the on the radar show with your host radar as he highlights the sports topic of the week and while also diving into pop culture this is on the radar with your host me radar coming to you with episode number 12 of our podcast and as always we'll talk about national local sports and we'll also talk about pop culture as well now, the divisional round just happened, and the 49ers won 27-10. Jimmy G had a touchdown, Tevin Coleman had two touchdowns for 105 yards, and Kirk Cousins threw an interception and a touchdown. He had his best game, Kirk Cousins, against the Saints, but against a better defense than the 49ers, he wasn't as good, and the 49ers just chewed the clock up to win this game with Tevin Coleman leading the way. Now, I thought the 49ers would win, so I got that correct on that one. It's the other AFC game, the other, uh, I mean, excuse me, NFC game, the... Uh, the AFC game that was on Thursday, that was on Saturday, was the Titans winning twenty-eight to twelve. How Tannehill could have two touchdowns and not that many yards of offense. That Derrick Henry threw a touchdown pass, and it was Tannehill who got the rushing touchdown as well. And that Derrick Henry still again ran like a beast over the the, the uh, Ravens defense. So with him running over their defense, wasting up time, taking advantage of Tannehill's three touchdowns total. They they upset the Ravens. They upset the Patriots, and now they upset the Ravens. And they're gonna have to. They're gonna be in. The, and they're in the championship game. Nobody thought that was gonna happen before the season. They thought they'd be eight and eight. Now the reason why they were not they, they didn't win the Ravens was because Lamar Jackson had two interceptions and a fumble. Not great games for the guy who's been the MVP all season. It's just it's just one playoff game doesn't affect his season or his legacy. It's just one game. Now, the Chiefs, I knew they would win, but nobody thought they would be down 24 points in the first half and score 51 straight. That it'd be Mahomes throwing five touchdown passes, two were caught, uh, three were caught by Kelsey, and Damian Williams also added two rushing touchdowns. That in this game, that Deshaun Watson thought, hey, you know, I got a rushing touchdown, we got two, I got two passing touchdowns, that they would be in the driver's seat. But then their defense just collapsed completely, and the. Chiefs showed how good they were in offense because everybody was held back healthy. Their defense played well in the second half. They proved how good they were as a team. Now the Packers, they won 20-23. Riders had two touchdowns and Aaron Jones had two touchdowns. Marshawn Lynch's two touchdowns and Russell Wilson's touchdown. They did the best they could. They were down 21-3 early. They did their best with those touchdowns. But missing a field goal and a two-point conversion gives you five points and that game would have been tied. And they would have gone to overtime so that at the same time, they would have the issue of anybody can win in overtime. It doesn't really matter what what happens in overtime. You know, first touchdown the win. If one team kicks a field goal and the other team fails to score, they win. So it would have been handled in overtime. I was wrong. I thought the Seahawks would win, but they ran out of gas. Their defense and their run game, if Russell Wilson's your leading rusher, it's not a good thing, even if Marshawn Lynch beast mode had two touchdowns at the same time. So it was it was a nice effort from Seattle this year where everybody thought they'd finish in third place behind the Rams and behind the 49ers. I thought they'd be a wild card team like the Rams. They'd be competing for that, and I was right. But nobody predicted they lose their top three running backs and have to get Marshawn Lynch, who was doing nothing, to be there. Now... I predict the Chiefs will win, but I've been wrong so far with the with the Patriots and the Ravens in the first two rounds. So I'm still going to pick the Chiefs, and until the Titans get to the Super Bowl, and Mike Vrabel has to and wins the Super Bowl, and he has to actually live up to the bet that he made that he would cut off his private part to win the game to for a Super Bowl, even though he has ones as a player. 
we'll, we'll soon to be we'll see when that happens. But I think the Chiefs, their defense has been playing well, their offense has been great, and it's everybody's healthy. So it, I'm going to go on a limb and say I think the Chiefs are going to win. And the Packers, most of their games this year were close wins. They squeaked by the uh, the Seahawks by like five points. They also, you know, squeaked by. So they squeaked by them. So the, you know, so all their games have been very close games. And as good as Aaron Rodgers, if you said, who do you want, Jimmy Garoppolo, Aaron Rodgers? I, of course, I want Aaron Rodgers, but I want the 49ers defense. And I also want the 49ers skill position because Emmanuel Sanders, Debo Samuel, George Kittle is better than just Devontae Adams and Jimmy Graham. I'm sorry to say, Aaron Jones has been a beast, but the 49ers have like a tandem of running backs like Breida. And they got Tevin Coleman, and they got fullbacks. They got all this complement of players that they can just throw out you. And I don't know if the Packers defense can shut down the 49ers, all their weapons. So I'm going to go out of limb and say the 49ers have been the best team in the AFC in the NFC all season. Compared to the Ravens, who are the best team in the AFC, I think they'll win. But if Aaron Rodgers proved me wrong, it's Aaron Rodgers proving me wrong. And that's a good thing because another Super Bowl will help him out in his career. But if it's him versus the Titans, that, that'd be an interesting Super Bowl. I would rather see Chiefs 49ers because they both can score. So that's it for the football. Now, when it comes to the local things, the Bears hired Bill Lazor, who in, was the offense coordinator for the Dolphins and the Bengals. Yes, Tannehill had a good season under him, but they were pretty much one of the worst teams. 17th was the highest they finished ever. They were 26 or below, and he coached the Bengals, and Dalton was pretty good under him, but the highest they were were 14th. And this signals the Bears maybe sign Andy Dalton as a free agent. To work with Bill Lazor. This guy is not from the coaching tree of Andy Reid. We missed out on Pat Shermer because he went to Denver because Vic Vangio, who also left us, goes, you know what? I don't care. You can call all the offensive plays. You can make all the off and help, off, offensive personnel decisions of who starts. Whatever you want, I got the defense. So that wasn't going to happen with Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy wants to be in charge of everything on offense. He wants to call all the plays. whoop de doo for him. And it looks like Shermer rather work with Drew Locke or another quarterback than to work with Mitch Trubinsky. So that's really what happened there is that nobody wanted to work with Trubinsky or Matt Nagy, and that's why we lost out on better offensive coordinators, and we had to get Bill Lazor. Woo! I mean, the Bears, not we. Them, we as a team, them as a team. They they get a bad offensive coordinator. The team as a role and the fans go, wow, we got this crappy guy. Now, in baseball news, the Yankees signed... Nick Trapino and Chris Sine had a minor league deal. Anything to, to make extra depth for the bullpen and backup catcher because they lost their backup catcher? Good idea. The Pirates made a weird move signing a guy named Guillermo Herrera, who is a good defensive outfielder, but ranks better in right for the left field with the advanced metrics. Plus, he can't hit. But they said, you know, we'll give up on a younger player in Pablo Reyes, who's a useful utility guy, and we'll sign Herrera to a major league deal. I was, I was expecting him to get a minor league deal. Now, the Brewers wouldn't sign Lomo to minor league deal and re-sign Tuffy's Ghostworks to minor league deal. Lomo, I thought, would sign with the American League team so he could DH. Signing with a team that has plans for Ryan Braun at first base, Justin Smoke, Ryan Healy, doesn't make a lot of sense. And then they signed Jed Jerko. And speaking of Ryan Healy and the fact that they got Luis Urias and they got Keston here, why signing Jed Jerko when you already have a crowded infield as well? Makes no sense. Cardinals, they acquired one of the race best pitching prospects in Libertor. And everyone's like, hmm, what is this? Well, that meant that they were going to trade Martinez and Adrianza, two outfielders, and Rosanzara. And Jose Martinez thought him is he's not a great fielder, but he's a good hitter. So in the Miracle League, he can play not just the outfield, but he can DH and play first base. And Arozanaria, he can replace Guillermo Reyes, the fourth outfielder. They swapped like another low-level draft pick and, dra- and, and 
you know, low level the low level draft picks, you know, who gets a higher draft pick and then a low level minor leaguer. Fine. Make that weird, interesting trade the to add to the log jam of position players the Rays already have. The Rangers went and got Luis Garcia to a minor league deal and Yadio Rivera. Good depth for the bullpen and for minor league infield depth. And they signed Todd Frazier. They decided they weren't going to spend all the money on Josh Donaldson or anybody else. So Todd Frazier could still at 21 runs a year, play good enough defense and drive an 80. Not a bad move. It's better than what they did last year with Logan Forsythe and Drupal Cabrera. Then the Rays signed Kevin Smith and Chris Herman to minor league deals. That's good to have two backup catchers just in case last year when all your catchers, Zanino got hurt and your other backups, you had to get Eric Kratz and you had to get Darno. So it's good to have that. Dodgers signed Alex Wood after signing Jimmy Nelson. Good back-end starters in case they're healthy. Good move on them. The Orioles got Richard Urena and Brian Holiday on minor league deals. You know, to be backups or, you know, Holiday could be the backup catcher. It's good depth. Urena could be the backup infielder, you know, as a thing. Then the Giants, the DFA Cozart after getting an Angels redead pitcher. Okay, I guess they're not going to use him, and he's going to probably go to become a free agent. The A's acquired Tony Kemp, so they have a utility player, and he can play some second base. Good for them. Tiger sign of Nova. Matt Moore and Tyson Ross didn't work out for them last year because they were injured. So if Nova does what he did with the White Sox, he just consistently pitches five-plus innings, 200 innings. They can flip him to a team needing a starting pitcher or just eats innings for them. The Reds added another former Sox player to their minor league deals and Nate Jones. So that's good for them if he's healthy. He's a good reliever, but that's always an if. The Twins got a big move. They went and got Josh Donaldson for four years, basically replacing C.J. Crone. Crone is younger. Yes, he's battled injuries. Donaldson's also bad injuries, and he's older. And Donaldson hit 30 home runs and Crone with 25. Not a big difference. The only good thing is it moves Miguel Sano permanently to first base because Donaldson's a good defensive player. But they don't need boppers in the lineup when they have Nelson Cruz, Kepler, Rosario, Polanco, and obviously Sano. That, yeah, they don't really need him. They needed pitching, and I don't think they have enough pitching in the relief or starting. Well, the White Sox, they officially announced the Steve Chizik signing, which meant they DFA'd Dylan Kofi. No more Kofi starting gains for us. Hopefully somebody picks him off off waivers, and he can go somewhere else, and we can say goodbye to him. And Cardinals picked up Austin Dean to replace Martinez and the other outfielder. He hasn't done that much in Major League so far, but that's for the Marlins, so you can see maybe what he does on a good team. The Phil side pick up Nick Martini because he could be a productive bench back. That's a good thing for them. They decided to get rid of Adubo Herrera and DFAing him. I don't think anybody's going to pick up that huge money they're paying him after the domestic violence and him being injured. But he's still a pretty good, useful player. So if nobody picks him up, they'll still be in the organization. And a Matt Andres got traded to the Angels, so maybe they can start him in the fifth spot because he has started before with the Rays and the Diamondbacks, but he's mostly used as a reliever. And the Cubs signed Jason Adams to a minor league deal, just so you Cubs fans out there know the Cubs signed somebody to a minor league deal again. Backup infielders, and now a relief pitcher that you've never, ever, ever heard of. So that's good for them. Now, next Wednesday is when they're announcing the Hall of Fame. And most likely for the Baseball Hall of Fame, it's Larry Walker's final season, so we're hoping that Larry Walker gets in because his numbers speak for himself, as I've debated about this before. Kurt Schilling hopefully will get in. It's towards the end of his run soon, and as I debated about him before, and Derek Jeter is the only clear-cut Hall of Famer. 3,000 hits, that should be a clear-cut indicator. You are a Hall of Famer. You can say all the extra things about him, but he's a Hall of Famer, and he's the best guy in the thing that isn't tainted. Now, Bobby Abreu, very good all-around player. He'll probably stay in the ballot for a while because he's just very close. Josh Beckett and Heath Bell. Josh Beckett, injury-prone starter, was pretty good when healthy. Heath Bell was a pretty good closer setup man, but he's not a Hall of Famer. And then we know Clemens and Bond, 
were Hall of Famers before they started taking steroids. Eric Chavez, good third baseman, injury through in his career. JJ puts like the uh JJ puts and is like the Heath Bell, good closer, good setup man. Sean Figgins, good utility player for call when healthy was a good shortstop. Giambi, we all know, took steroids. We all know Todd Helton's Hall of Famer. That's another debate to prove it. For some of you who think he's not a Hall of Famer, then you got Raul Abanez, who's a pretty good player, like Paul Canerco, who's also on the ballot. They're just not going to get in the Hall of Fame. They're just pretty good. Andrew Jones is a borderline Hall of Famer. You got to make a case for him. So he's close in terms of being a Hall of Famer. Jeff Ken, I was already debated earlier before. He's a Hall of Famer based on all the numbers he put up, but he's going to linger on the ballot for a while, like Tad Helton and like Larry Walker and like Kurt Schilling has. Adam Dunn, and he retired at 35. If he'd averaged 20 to 30 more home runs over the next five years, which would have been up until this season, and retired this year, he would have been in the 500 home run club and would have been a clean guy. And you can't say he's the most dominating player, but there was a period of time where he was one of the most feared sluggers that would have got him automatically induction but now he's at 400 something they're not going to vote him in cliff lee like josh beckett was pretty good when healthy but small period of window carlos Pena, late bloomer was pretty good for a couple of years brad penny again another injury prone starter was good for a short period of time and he pettit no matter if you believe in physics steroids or not just was a good pitcher he's not a hall of famer but a very good pitcher manny ramirez we all know he's a great player we and he got busted for pds he's going to linger on the ballot you don't know when he was taking and whatnot so that's another issue Brian Roberts, he took PEDs, and he's also had an injury-prone career, so there's been times where he's good or not, but he's just a good player. And we know Scott Rowland. If you're going to vote Ted Simmons for being one of the 10 greatest catchers, you can certainly vote Scott Rowland in. He's one of the 12 greatest third basemen. If you take out Edgar Martinez as DH, Paul Mallard, who played every position as a DH, he's got very comparable numbers to Ron Santo, and how did Ron Santo get voted in? Through the Veterans Committee, because he was very close. And we talked about Schilling serving to be in, Gary Sheffield. He took steroids, so he's going to linger on the ballot because people are going to say, oh, he's good. Some people are saying he's not good, blah, 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 blah. Then you have Soriano, who, like Paul Canerco and Javi Ray, who's a really good player. But he's not going to get in the Hall of Fame because he's just pretty good. Sosa, we all know, steroids made his career. Jose Valverde, like Putz, and Heath Bell, was a pretty good closer and setup man for a good amount of years. But what about him is he has been pitching Major League Baseball in, in Central America, you know, Latin America for the past couple of years. He's still playing. Playing independent ball. So he still is playing in the last five years, so I don't understand why he's on the ballot this year. Billy Wagner is another guy who's been lingering on the ballot. And because, you know, comparable pitchers like John Franco fell off the ballot, took forever for Hoyt Wilhelm and Bruce Suter and Goose Gosses to get in. They aren't Dennis Eckersley, and they're not Raleigh Fingers, and they're not Martin Rivera who get in right away. Trevor Hoffman, he lingered a bit. He didn't get in right away. So Wagner, if he gets in, they're going to make him wait because they made every reliever not... Uh, A's closer or the Yankees closer wait. Omar Vizcale has almost as many cool gloves as Ozzie Smith, who was a first ballot Hall of Famer, but Ozzie Smith probably shouldn't have been a Hall of Fame in first ballot. He's a Hall of Famer, but not right away. And Omar Vizcale was a clearly much better offensive player than Ozzie Smith. Yes, Ozzie Smith played for the Cardinals. They won those championships, and he was on TV all the time. Everybody saw him, but Vizcale is a marriage comparable player to him defensively, and he's a much better player offensively. And we already talked about Larry Walker before. How should begin? Hopefully Larry Walker is one of the multiple people that get in. So I hope it's Derek Jeter, Larry Walker, and Kurt Schilling. I hope that's at least three of the guys that get in this year. Because I'm always about more the merrier because there's so much buildup on the ballot that certain players linger and then their 10 years come up or they just fall off the ballot completely because there's not enough room. Like guys like Carl Delgado and Kenny Lofton to name some and John Franco. Yeah, that. so next Wednesday when they announce the Hall of Fame stuff, it will probably be at nighttime, so it'll be after my podcast. But hopefully... 
in the pre, in the next couple of podcasts, I could talk about the percentages and how people were voting for the Hall of Fame. Now, in the pop culture world, the CW has been one of those channels where, you know, they just renew things right and left without actually looking at it. Because the main three, CBS, NBC, and ABC, they're very quick to pull the hook, remove shows off the air, cancel them after one year, not give it faith. Fox has been a little bit better at that, but in the recent years, not so much. And so the CW just announced the other day they're renewing 13 series. Batwoman Nancy Drew, who were already after three episodes, said, wow, we love your show. We're going to give you additional episodes. Okay, so that meant they're going to have a full first season. That's great. Nancy Drew goes part of that teen uh, drama network. That's great. They want to continue to have those. And Batwoman continue the superhero world. Great. Now, The Flash, that's, that's a great superhero show. It's got a little stale for a bit. And Black Lightning's pretty good, so I'm glad they renewed those superhero shows. And they renewed Supergirl as well. So they renewed all of those superhero shows. That's great. They renewed Teen Drama All-American and Riverdale. That's good to know. They renewed Dynasty, which is a remake. And you know my opinions are remakes, especially ones that didn't need to be made. And Charmed, again, another remake. I don't really care if it's got renewed. It doesn't affect me. And Legacy's a spinoff. doesn't really affect me. That got renewed. Now, Roswell, New Mexico was supposed to debut in March and they did, for season two. And they said, you know, before season two even happens and we see the ratings and see how the season's going, we're just going to renew Roswell, New Mexico before the season starts. And I like that show, but it's also a remake of the original show, Roswell. And they got to at least give it a chance. The other thing is Legends of Tomorrow. It debuted last night. I don't know if the premise this year is going to be continuing to deal with John Constantine's Demons from hell that coming back to haunt him like the end of the, the previous season that Legends just had. You know, their previous seasons four. So for season five, would it continuing? Because he's been on, this is the second season on the show. But that show didn't even start till last night. And they said, yeah, we're going to renew it right away. Now, the other show, In the Dark, it was on for a couple episodes, like three, maybe four or five. And they renewed it. And I was like, this is one of the worst shows I've ever seen. Why would you renew it? So they renew it. whoop de doo Now, at the end of the day... Wait until season two. Maybe your opinions will change on it. Decide if you want to keep it. Nope. That show, like Roswell, New Mexico, is not going to even be on whatsoever until like this late the spring. So why would you make the announcement now? And the other thing is Kathy Keene, which doesn't premiere until February 6th. They haven't even shown at least three episodes like they did with Nancy Drew and River and Nancy Drew for the Riverdale franchise, Kathy Keene, and then joined Batwoman. Where they, they decided we're going to give you 13 additional episodes, even though. It hasn't even been on yet to see if it deserves more episodes. And then they said, you know what? Supernatural's ending. We have to give Jared Pilecki a show. So we're going to try Walker, Texas Ranger reboot. And we're going to say, automatically, you've been greenlit to be on the air. Superman and Lois will be a spinoff of the Arrowverse. They're going to say, we're not even seeing a pilot episode. We're not even getting a couple episodes. We're making sure that, uh, that we want a full series out of you. We want a We want a full entire season from you. So that's great. Now, the thing with Legends is the first couple, first season was great. Second season was okay. And then by the time you get to the third season and the fourth season, third, season three became a comedy and season four became a comedy. So I decided that John Constantine joined the show in season four, but by then it was already a screwed up comedy and no longer doing, yeah, they time travel, but they're not stopping people affecting the timeline. They were stopping mythological creatures and dealing with the dark arts and magic and stuff, which is why Constantine was perfect to be on the show for a one-year story arc, even a two-year story arc, as you deal with all this stuff, 
because I liked him on an NBC show, and he had animated shows and movies and stuff. He's a great character. But by the time he got to the show, the show was already a comedy. Season one, when they killed off Snart, the best character, and eventually Victor Garber wanted to leave the show, so you broke up the Firestar Matrix, so there's no Jefferson in the show. The Hawks were only part of season one's story arc. That's fine. But making Rip Hunter the main focal point of the show, evil, then him sacrificing himself to save the world, and he dies, and he's no longer on the show, and he's not every year recruiting people to stop a new villain spreading out the timeline or issue and getting recruiting new characters to stop them, that's fine. Because the main characters have been Sarah, you know, White Canary, and Ray, Adam, and Mick. You know, he just likes to punch bad guys, shoot his fire gun, drink, that's fine. But when they dealt with the Vixen dating Nate, you know, Commander Steel, you know, Steel is fine, but they brought her back to original time period because the totem season was over. That's when they should have returned Zari, the wind totem bearer, back to her, her, her time period and move on. But they said, no, nah, we're going to keep her and then ship her with Nate because Nate needs a girlfriend because everybody else's relationship is fine. And, she was, and she's been on for one season too long and she's probably going to be in this season. You know, at the end of last season, her brother appeared with the wind totem. If she's going to be on the show, whatever the case is, it's one season too, it's going to be two seasons too long. They've killed off Snart, everybody loved his character. The Firestorm, they everybody liked Professor Stein. Killed up Rip Hunter, let the Hawks go away. You're killing off characters that people really like, and you're keeping Zari for an extra season too long. And instead of just moving on for Vixen or getting the Vixen from present day, they decided to get they decided to bring back the same actress to play to play a shape-shifting woman who's stuck in that one form where she's playing the same, a different character, but it's the same actress, and they make her look exactly like it, and she can't shapeshift out of that form and stuff. And that's very similar to them having Tom Cavanaugh come back and play Reverse Flash, Ebarthon, or Reverse Flash, Ebarthon as Harrison Wells, or different Earth Harrison Wells, and that's fine, because he's playing the same character pretty much, just different personalities and different kinds. It's basically the same thing, and they really like him. And they did it with the woman who plays Laurel Lance. They killed her off, they brought her back, as Black Siren from Earth 2, and then now she's good now, whatever it is, that's fine. It's the same character. But to bring back the actress who played Vixen, who you made a relationship with Nate, and then bring her back as, as a, the different role, which you don't really need, because you could just move on and had a different Vixen, or a different actress to play this role, and if she's going to be on the show, that's again, the actor is not the character. Two seasons too long. And they also decided to have Sarah have a stable girlfriend and be Ava, this android, that from the feature that Rip made, Rip recruited to do the time period. That's fine. You make her a, a part and part of her life, not a minor character. And the only way to make her in every episode, because she's not going to be on the ship and them going on mission, because they've completely changed over the time period, does all the time stuff and they're just doing nothing, is that you make a B story all of season four, where she's uh, at the time bureau. Nate's there because his father's there. And then you shift him with Zari, so she's there. So you're taking two of the main characters and take him off the ship and having them be on Earth in present day doing stuff, while Sarah and Mick and Ray and Zari, and Zari sometimes, but Sarah, Mick, Ray, and the shapeshifter, and Constantine, they're going on missions, and they're, they're lost half the team. The point is supposed to be every year a team where you get some new characters, face off a new villain for the whole season, different affecting different periods of time, and Rip Hunter recruits them and has a new thing to bring it out, and you keep Sarah, Mick, and Ray... And then you replace characters. 
Nate, if he was replaced, I wouldn't have been that upset because he acts so immature around Ray, and Ray's supposed to be one of the smartest people, and his character is being portrayed like Superman, who's supposed to, where he's a superhero complex where he's trying to save the day when he has no real power. His brain is his power, his suit's his power, but he's barely been in the suit because it's a lot of money for special effects to use the suit. For him to become small or big, and they're not using that, they're just using him as a human, not a super being, that's fine, but when he's around Nate, it's immature, it's again, season three started to become a comedy, they made, it made things worse. He had his relationship with Hawkgirl. That was weird and stuff. But now that his wife, the actress who the actress who's his wife in real life, plays Damien Dark's daughter, and they, he saved her when she was trying to save her as a girl in a plot with the totems and stuff. And then she's good, then she's bad, and now they're dating and stuff because they're married. It's like who cares that Brandon Ross' real wife is playing his girlfriend in the show? It doesn't really add or help the show whatsoever. She was a character in the show. You just let her move on. Her father's dead. She's out of the show. Again, bringing her back. And then also, they start to use Gary and Mona more often. Yes, diversity. You get an Asian woman. You get a black woman. You get a Muslim woman. A character portraying a Muslim. That's great. But most of the last season, we had too much of Gary, too much of Mona, too much of Ava. And then those two people I said, the actress playing Vixen, and, and you had Sorry. There's two. They they live past their prime on the show and Ray's wife being, a, uh, Brandon Ross' wife being Ray's girlfriend again, trying to make her good because he sees the good in everybody. Like, he's Superman. It's like, you're not playing Superman, you're playing Adam. You're supposed to play a really smart guy who's supposed to, yeah, he has a sense of humor and stuff, but he's supposed to be trying to save the world with, within his own co confines, you know, not trying to be Superman. So it's cool that he got to play Superman in, King, in, from the, in the crossover so far, but... He wants to leave the show, and if, if so, if Victor, big time actors like Victor Garber and Wentworth Miller and Brandon Roth want to leave the show, then you know the show's been going downhill. Now, Wentworth Miller signed a one-year contract, so of course they did bring him back for some with the start from another Earth, from a crossover and stuff like that. And Jackson, who was part of the Matrix, who's not really part of the Firestar Matrix because his name is actually Jason in the comics, he's Virgin with Ronnie. That character, they basically said. When Killoff's dying, you're not going to be the show. And I don't think he made it. I don't think he's like, oh, my God, I can no longer be on the show because it's been a train wreck. So, Mr. Garber understood why he left, and I understood why Brandon Roth and now his uh, TV wife and TV and real wife want to leave the show and they replace him with another Adam. Guess what? That's how it goes. You replace a character, you move on. As much as I like Ray Palmer's character and Brandon Roth's portrayal of him, if he wants to leave the show and they're going to place him with another guy to be the Adam, that is cool. That is great. They're following the thing. But they still have Zari, Ava, and Mona, and the actress who played Vixen, who's playing a different character that is just stale. It's just like, okay, we made it into comedy. The Constantine story arc, if you want to make two seasons, that's great. Zari and the actress who played Vixen, their story arcs ended. They should not be on the show. And if Zari's only purpose was to be Nate's girlfriend, it's pretty wasteful and stupid at the same time. And then you also have to have Sarah's girlfriend. We don't really need Sarah's girlfriend. That's a waste. That the show should end soon. They should make that canary show where Sarah, the Laurel and Dinah are superheroes together. She's off the ship. Ray left the show. Mick can just go retire and we return everybody to their time periods, the shapeshifter where she belongs. And Nate can just retire because he, again, special effects. They don't want to pay for him to be steel and actually use his powers. They're like, yeah, let's make it a story arc with his father. That's nice. Work together, etc. Now that's why I don't say CW renewed it before the season even started. Now, if this season is about the the girl that Constantine got sent to hell and she came back to haunt them and they gotta stop her and all the mythological creatures and bad people from hell and demons and stuff, that's a good way to end the show this year. 
and to write John Constantine out of the show, and he moves on, and to start over. But they redoed it without actually seeing where the season's going to go and if it's going to be worth it. And it's a show that if my father watched it and my brother watched it for the first three seasons and then my brother in the middle of season four said he stopped watching it my dad was like yeah it seems stupid in season three so he stopped watching i continue to watch it because of john constantine that if it starts off the show where my brother watched supergirl my dad and i watched flash and i watched arrow and we all come together and we watched the show which was a was a crossover show where that's how it started with characters from arrow and flash that the universe crossovers created the show now, if you're going to get family members who watch different shows to come together and watch it, and then you just derail it, that's not a good idea. You're only keeping me in, interested because it has Constantine and it's a superior show. But wait till the season's over before you decide if you want to renew it. You, you know, CW, you could be patient. You can wait till the season's over. You can wait till half the season's over, at least, before you start renewing all these shows, before you know if they're good. Remakes, reboots, just continue superior show. That's one thing. It's just... You need to be a little bit more patient because, for example, Legends has gone downhill, has jumped the shark. And if it was every season, Rip Hunter was recruiting new heroes to replace heroes that left for each season. And there's new villains you got to deal with in the comics. That's great. Because Vandal Savage, great villain. Legion of Doom was a pretty good idea. Gaming Dark and all the other things was pretty good. But you were recycling Arrow Flash villains at the same time. Now, thanks for listening to On the Radar episode number 12, where we always where we talk about local, national, sports, to- local, national sports topics and pop culture. My, my podcast is on Anchor, but it's also on Spotify and Google Podcasts. So download Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. I mean, Google Podcasts, hopefully Apple Podcasts and Spotify for podcasts. And check out my blog, Radar 4.28, a blogger, and my Facebook page on the Radar Entertainment blog, where I continue to upload all the Major League Baseball teams in the National League West so far that are the ultimate 25-man roster. I said Rockies, Diamondbacks, pretty easy. Rockies, first one's a little difficult. Padres, medium because they've been around 50 years. The hardest has been the Giants because they were in New York for so many years. They were, they've been in San Francisco for so many years. They've had over 50 players, managers, and executives that played for them that are not just Hall of Famers. That's Hall of Famers. But then you got to add all the good players. So it's been very hard to like say, okay, this is the guy, and this is why I'm choosing him, and i got to explain why. Outside of the obvious, the Willie Mays, Willie McCovey, and Barry Bonds, to name some, and Christy Mathewson, and Juan Marichal, Carl Hubble, to name some as well. So thanks for listening to Radar on the Radar number 12. We'll see you next week. This was the On the Radar show with Radar. For more from him, check out his Facebook page, On the Radar Entertainment blog. His long-form articles are radar4428.blogspot.com. His YouTube account, On the Radar. Follow him on the Twitter at Radar4428 and download his podcasts from Apple Podcast under On The Radar.